You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Podcast number, I guess I should say, Tech Fan Podcast number 322. I'm Tim Robertson. Hey, over there is David Cohen is back. Hey, David. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, good. A bit jet lagged, but uh, apart from that, I'm all right. Yeah. Well, you know, jet lag sucks. I haven't. Ex- I haven't done the, the cross country. Or I've done cross country. I've done you know Europe to the U.S. Losing all those hours and and then flying back and then it really messes you up. I'm sure. It's it's going that back way. Actually, coming. Out, I've always found coming over from the U.K. to the U.S. Even going to the West Coast to uh, doing the eight-hour difference to be not too bad. You wake up early in the morning, but you can kind of cope with that, and you kind of slide into it fairly easily. But coming back the other way is the hard bit, yeah. I've always found. So, uh, yeah, I'd um, and I didn't didn't have an awful lot of time to adjust to it before I went back. Um, coming over on on uh, the Queen Mary, um, they put the clocks back an hour every day, so you kind of ease into it, uh, and cool. it was nice because every every morning you woke up. Uh, you got an extra hour of sleep, so that was that was much appreciated. Sounds like it. But then yeah. having having done that, and then just spending a weekend in New York, and then heading back to the UK, going straight back to work has been hard. So today is a uh, uh, for geek culture and being a tech person. Today is kind of a wonderful day, David. So today, the iPhone eight pre-orders go live. And yep. of course, it's already slipped to five to six weeks. Um, <clears throat> scalpers, of course. Yeah, it's. I, I don't know how you fix that problem. Well, I guess you make more, but the iPhone ten is the the low volume product in the iPhone line. I think everyone agrees that. So, yep, you can't make more in you know when you're making something brand new, and maybe we'll talk later in the show about. Uh, Google and their latest brand new thing and how that's not going very well. So, yeah, well, definitely you have to be get careful. into that. You got to be careful. Uh, you know, I, I was looking on Facebook earlier and I saw Dave Hamilton got one ordered. He went the unlocked route. Um, so some people out there are getting them, but I'm, I'm not one of them. The thing I, I've over the years. I've come to view the whole kind of rush to get the new model with increasing skepticism. Maybe it's something to do with getting older and getting less interest in such stuff. But the, the thing will be available for a year before it, before he, Apple even thinks about updating it. Uh, and with this one, maybe longer. Who knows? Yeah. If you don't have one on the first day, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. So what? Yeah. If you have to wait a month or two. Um, most people aren't in the position where they're able to buy a new phone every year, so it's not like you, it's not like you're necessarily losing. Um, you know, your your window of using it has gone down from twelve months to nine. If you have to wait until January to get one, so if you want one, you can't get one. Place your order, wait in line, and then you'll get one. And uh, the other thing I found with iPhone orders is that often they'll say six to eight weeks, but um, you'll actually often get it more quickly than that because they are able to ramp up. That that is an estimate. It's not. Um, it's based on their current rate of production. It's not. It's not fixed in stone. It's funny. I went to Apple's website and had no problem ordering one. I didn't actually order one. I just kind of went through the process. Started up to the point where it says place your order. Then I was like, Nah, I'm not getting this because I was just kind of curious. And I did the same thing on AT and T's website. <clears throat> and AT and T's website is just hosed. 
You get to the point where it says, yeah, you know, go ahead and order this and nothing happens. The button doesn't even do anything. That's a great, great experience. Oh, it's, they're such a good high tech company. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's a joke. It's in in today's day and age, that should not be the case. No, it shouldn't. Um, but I guess they don't care. So the other cool thing that happened today is Stranger Things 2 dropped on Netflix. Now, did you ever watch the first season of Stranger Things? I, I have not watched Stranger Things, but I am aware of it. So oh, yes. so good. Yeah, it, it it captures growing up in the 80s better than any show I've ever seen. I mean, it really is. It, it, if you're nostalgic for the 80s at all, yeah, you like good storytelling a little bit scary. This is the show for you. It's just fantastic. Um, I watched the first episode, but that's all I've had time to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really happy that that show's back. It's so good. So that dropped today. Excellent. And finally, Super Mario Odyssey came out for the Nintendo Switch today. Wow. And I was reading some... Uh, day before reviews if you will they didn't come out a week ago these reviews they dropped yesterday so they were on an embargo until the last 24 hours and i've seen some sensational headlines about this game one said maybe the best game ever another one um game of the year uh maybe fighting with legend of zelda on the same platform so it looks like the two best games of the year both came out on the Nintendo Switch this year. Certainly sounds like it. I yep. mean, I'm super excited by Super Mario Odyssey because I loved the Super Mario Galaxy games, uh, and this is this is kind of it's taking that same style of gameplay and taking it on more. And of course, it's on the Switch, which means it's now portable. So, um, Alexandra and Charlotte, do not listen to this podcast, my children. So I can tell you and all our listeners that while I was in the States, I took the opportunity to pick up a Switch for the family, which we're going to be opening up towards the end of the year in the holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I didn't buy any games for it because I figure <laughs> I've heard I've heard that the odd, the um, Switch cartridges are tiny and easy to lose. And my kids have lost a bunch of um DS and 3DS cartridges over the years. So I think with this one, we're going to switch, uh, stick to digital downloads. But I'm thinking that they're not really Legend of Zelda type people, my kids, but um, Super Mario you, Odyssey is definitely you will be what we're probably going to go for. You will be. You Pink? will be. Do my Yoda thing. Yeah. Um, I, I, I can't overstate how great The Legend of Zelda is. And I've never been a Zelda guy. That was never my game. Yeah, but wow, it's so good, and so, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm literally I'm try- ten minutes into Odyssey so far. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm trying to get into Zelda. I'm playing um, uh, the which one is it? The Ocarina of Time. Yep. On the on the 2DS at the moment, so I'm I'm trying to kind of get into it, into the the whole Zelda vibe. Um, see, I don't not- get I don't get the Zelda vibe. See, I play those games. I just couldn't get into them. Mm-hmm. They, I would lose interest within an hour or so, and I never went back. Yeah, that's not the case with the Switch one. It's, yeah, well, you're you're a you're a big you're a really big fan of the kind of the open world. Open world, absolutely. It's what got me back into video games. I mean, I, you know, yeah. 
mm-hmm. I had gotten out of video games completely, and then I saw that commercial for GTA Vice City back in 2001, and I went, hold on a minute. Now, I don't know if it was the 80s vibe in that game, because it takes place in ostensibly Miami, 1980-something, 84. Yeah. Or, and I was kind of into 80s music at that time, or it was simply... The, the, such a revolutionary game that I went out and bought a PS2, sat down and started playing the game, and I was instantly hooked. And <clears throat> I've been in back into video games ever since. So it was the open world thing that got me back into video games. But I keep coming back to that, you know? Yeah. I, I like the freedom of those kind of games, honestly. Mm-hmm. Go anywhere, do anything, but still structured. I like it. Yeah. Good stuff. Excellent. Good. Now, on the Switch, I just, while I've got you on, one uh, piece of advice I'm looking for for you. Because I bought the base system, and that comes with the Joy-Con controllers. And I thought, oh, maybe I should pick up an extra controller so that two kids can play at once. And then I saw another Joy-Con. It's $80. And I thought, wow, that's a lot of money, considering I just dropped nearly $300, well, $300 on the console. So I held off for the moment. And so what would your advice be about getting a second controller? Should I get another Joy-Con or no. a Pro Controller? I, I would go Pro. Else? I would go Pro Controller because most of the games that require a Joy-Con for two-player, yeah. you can use one Joy-Con for one of the kids and the other because it comes with two, yeah. one on the left, one on the right. right. So if you're playing Mario Racing, for instance, Mario Kart, yeah, one kid has one, the other kid has the other, right. So it works just fine that way, but. If you want to have three people, all of a sudden you need another controller. That's where you get the Pro Controller. Right. Totally worth it. I like the Pro, Pro Controller a lot. Yeah, the Pro Controller, I mean, certainly is much more what I'm used to. Um, and so I, I I was kind of going that way, but it was good to have it confirmed. Yeah, yeah, you'll like it. It's it's a good controller. I think it's, it's right up there with the best of them. Okay. So before we get to our show notes and feedback and all that, I did want to mention I got a new product for review, um, and I talked about it somewhat with Owen. It's that Acer desktop. Mm-hmm. So far, I haven't honestly I haven't had a whole lot of time to play with it, but I'm kind of impressed in a lot of respects. It's very fast. It's an i5, and so it's very fast. But it really, really bugs me that it's only HDMI and VGA out. That seems so stupid in twenty almost twenty eighteen at this point. That you have a computer that you have to hook up one of the... Why the hell is there a VGA output on this thing? Seriously. Yeah, is it... it, Now I'm trying to remember when you talk... Is this a tiny computer? No, this is a big full-size desktop. Oh, right. Okay, so it's not... See, see, I have... um, We have here in the office another Acer one that's kind of a a low-end... It's not an Atom, but it's it's a little bit higher than an Atom. It's not much higher than that. A low-end machine that we kind of use for Skype and for... Um, presenting stuff in our meeting room. It's hooked up to a big display. Now that has VGA on it, uh, and and it's it you know it's it's kind of one of these little. It, it, it's not much bigger than an Apple TV. Right. Yeah. Now to me, I I kind of understand that because a lot of times, if you're going to take a computer around that you might hook up to a projector, a lot of older projectors only use VGA. So I could understand why it has VGA on there. But um, this is a full size. I, d- I don't know desktop. why anybody will put VGA on a full size desktop today. I mean, it probably costs them four bucks to put it in there, so why not? It's not a separate video card in there. It's actually no, on the it's motherboard. No, it's an internal. Yeah, 
you know, it's an integrated video card, which kind of sucks. I'm sure I've got, I've got slots, so I could put another card in there if I wanted to, but I'm not going to. Because what I'm doing, I don't care about high-end graphics, but I would like to be able to plug in a decent-sized monitor with a, you know, with better resolution than just HDMI supports. Well, I I think to be honest with you, I I can't criticize somebody for putting HDMI on a computer. I think oh, it's I don't I don't mind standard. that. But my problem is, it's only those two things. Well, what else would you expect to get on there? I'd love to see the the PC industry get into uh, USB C for connections. Yeah, but there's no USB C monitors. Yeah, but you can convert them all. That way, you're forward compatible. Mm, yeah. I, I guess I I, I find or it hard DVI. to USB C. DVI. I find USB C such a mess at the moment yeah, that I can is. understand why. So so would not so I take that, that back. Just DVI. Give me DVI. Okay. Yeah, but DVR is kind of a big, stupid port, and it's it's trivial to convert an HDMI port into a DVI port. Unless you want to go through a switcher, then it's not so trivial because it won't work. None of them do. Yeah, but you're the only person who uses a switcher. Yeah, I've got it. I haven't used it in quite a while because the computer that I had hooked up to it was replaced with this Acer on my desktop, yeah. which is now hooked up to that uh, 36-inch TV or 30-something, 30 32-inch TV. So, I mean, that TV now is just a cable box, a PS3, and my computer. But the PC, the I just pull out the plug in the back of the PS3 and plug in the computer when I want to use that. Yeah. I could get an HDMI switcher, and maybe I will. I think I've got an extra one somewhere, but I have no idea where it's at. And I can get them pretty cheaply, so I'm not. That's not even a top one thousand yeah, things look, that I need. To I pick agree up. with you. Technically, I'd rather have DVI than HDMI because you don't have all that protection rubbish that you get on HDMI that can yep. sometimes, as we've talked about in the past, can sometimes stifle what you want, what you want to do. But you know, DVI is is unfortunately is the is is the past, yeah. and um, HDMI is the present. USB C is probably some far far away in the future. I did get something else for review. It arrived yesterday. Uh, is it a portal gun? No, I wish. Um, a portal gun would be awesome. What did? When it had to just be, it'd be so awesome. Well, you know what, a portal gun would be awesome, except that anybody who got a portal gun to play around with would probably inadvertently kill themselves very quickly. Yeah, or cause major, major problems. Um, or both. Yeah. So this came up. Hey, it's a it's a Sony high power portable. Let me phrase that again. High powered portable Bluetooth speaker. So I just sent you a link. I don't know if you've opened it yet. Let's have a look. You find it, yeah, yeah. And and list is four forty nine for this thing. So I'm thinking, wow, this is a this has got to be a really good high end portable Bluetooth yeah. speaker. I could put this in my office. And if you look at the product picture there, it looks like a small little desktop Bluetooth speaker, right? Well, uh. scroll down a little bit, David. <laughs> and one of the pictures is a guy carrying it. And it goes up to almost his waist. The hell am I going to do with a giant Bluetooth speaker that weighs 37 pounds? Wow. Good God. This thing has this, LEDs yeah. that change colors and flash to the music. And you can connect a whole bunch of them together. You can do, there's an app that you can use with it for DJing. 
it, it's... I've just found the picture of the guy carrying it. And right. yeah, this thing is huge. The, when you just look at the picture by itself, without a person there, you would not think it's that big, would you? Well, the problem is all of these pictures look like they've been done in Photoshop. None of them look real. Right. Yeah. And now there um, was a photo when you when you look down, like, there's kids outside breakdancing or something because yeah. that happens. Uh, especially when it's almost all white kids. Yeah, sure. And they're under a bridge overpass. You betcha. That's, that's right, yeah. But yeah. Those kids are going to get mugged for that speaker. That's right. But but the the speaker placement looks like, oh, well, it's just closer to the camera. That's why it yeah. looks so big in the photo. Yeah, but even the, yeah, the, as I said, even the one with the guy carrying it, it looks like he's not really carrying it. The tension on his hand is wrong, uh, given how heavy this right. thing yeah, is. Yeah, that's Photoshop. It, it's been dropped in with Photoshop. Oh, well, why do that? You know, I, it's stupid because it's probably yeah. just stock pictures. He's yeah. probably carrying a, a skateboard in the real photo. Yeah. But yeah. so I get this thing. And for those wondering, it's the Sony GT KXB 90. I know you're not going to write that down, yeah. but trust me, this thing is gigantic. It's got two well, subwoofers. Look, look, I, yeah. I'm, I can understand there's a market for this. Oh, sure. You know, kids in particular, they want a big, I mean, we all used to, you know, we all used to, when we had our, our portable stereos and our, um, you know, portable hi-fis and everything, we all used to have, right, Boom before, boxes. even when we had Walkman, people used to walk around with a great big stereo blaring out the top of, right. top of, you know, maximum volume. For if that's, if that's what you're into, then, you know, people are going to like this. Uh, the GTK-XB90, three tweeters with two woofers, 16 hours of battery life, wireless, a wireless functionality is Bluetooth and NFC. It is a speakerphone because, you know, you want people on the other side of the continent to hear your call. So, so stupid. USB well, you see, yeah, the, you, the stupid thing with that is that you're going to be under your underpass, Break, uh, yeah, break dancing with your friends, yeah. and then somebody's going to call you. Yeah, your and mom the party's calls. Stop. Yeah, where are you, where Jimmy? Where are you? It's time to come home. <laughs> your father needs his foot bandages changed from his diabetes. It is not water resistant. Speaker add functionality, so you can chain these things up to a whole bunch of them together. And there's a mic input because you know DJ and all yeah. that. The thing is gigantic. So I hooked this up last night. Well, I didn't hook it up. I just, I plugged it in. It came to life. So it already had a charge on the battery. That was nice. Uh, I connected my iPhone to it. Now, Brooke was the only one home at the time. And Brooke's the only one that likes loud music like me. Yeah. So we did a side-by-side -side comparison. This with, uh, uh, compared to my Alltech Lansing desktop speakers with a subwoofer that's hooked connected to my Mac. I've had the Alltech Lansing speakers for 13 years. I mean, they're, they're, I've never ever had a, a want to replace them. They sound so good. Okay. So I'm doing an AB comparison and if it was outside, I can see where this thing would probably just be incredible. But in my office, it did not even the sound clarity. It didn't even come close to my desktop speakers. It's, it, even the bass wasn't as good as my desktop speakers because my bass, of course, is facing down in a speaker enclosed box. Where this thing is, th these two, I think they're eight inch, maybe six inch subwoofers face out. 
But it, I have to say, though, it is really cool looking. It's really freaking heavy. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do with this thing. I think I'm going to get rid of it eventually. I, I can't. Yeah. I, it's, it takes so much space. Where am I going to put this stupid thing? It's a shame. It's a shame that the quality is not better, to be honest, because it's priced as something is not i mean i'm looking at the reviews here on amazon and somebody says oh you know it's it's uh it's no it's not a pro pro pa you know this is this is like a like a, a boombox replacement right a modern day boombox which is fine but yeah we didn't pay 500 dollars for our boomboxes back in the day that's really expensive for what it is you know if it was a hundred dollars you could kind of live live with the fact it's a bit muddy and doesn't sound so good because sometimes you do just want a big speaker for going to the beach or going out with your friends or or something like that um or you know for the barbecue or you know for a church hall party or something like that you might sometimes you just want a big wireless speaker i can see the market for it but um for that sort of money i expect really good sound quality mm-hmm it's That's just, unfortunate. It's just not great sound. It really isn't. You know, and it's Sony. Sony used to be... The one thing they always did was great sound. Yeah, I'm looking at some of these reviews, and I don't... I, I don't know. It, I, I, it's still too early. The sound is yeah. not excellent. It's just okay. Uh, funnily enough, I, I note that um, many of the people who given it a positive review didn't pay for it. They got it as a, a Vine review. Yeah, and that's um, what mine is. But I, I think, yeah, but that's fine. But I think when you review something on Amazon, you've got to review it as if you bought it, not as if you got it for free. Because, you know, and let's face it, anything you got for free is, is going to be a good value. <laughs> Sure, but that's not what the Vine program or product reviews in general are supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about, okay, here's this thing. Now tell other people if they should buy it and go into detail. Yeah. Oh, this is great. It reminds me of a boombox from my childhood. What? For 400 or $500? Are you kidding me? Look, it's not $500. It's 348 on Prime, right? Yeah, but even that's a lot of money. $350 for, for this thing. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I was initially disappointed, obviously, because I was expecting a desktop little. When you see smart, yeah. you it, it it works with your phone. You're not expecting a DJ system. I mean, that's just stupid. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I kind of look. Look, I can see why you were misled because the marketing is misleading. It's horrible. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there I've got to go. review that thing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't know what to think about it either because it's just, it's so big. That's what gets me. It's so big. Why don't, why don't you give it to one of the kids and, you know, the next time they're going out somewhere with their friends, they want some music and see if they, what they think of it. Yeah, I might. We'll see. I, I want to, I do want to take it outside and blare it outside yeah. and see if that take it, makes it take, take the kids to the park for a picnic or an ice cream or something and take it with you and turn on your tunes. And if you get a gaggle of kids around you within 10 minutes all going, well, it's really cool. Look at the lights and all that sort of thing. Then you'll, you'll know what it's good for. But, but the, the problem there is again, if, if that's what it's aimed at, then charging an RRP of $500 is a bit much. That's not pocket money. No, it's not. So our sponsor, David, has a new product. They have the Aura Aura Pro X. And so if you have 
If you want to upgrade your your PCIe equipped Mac, that means it's one of those SSDs that's on a chip. It's not like a hard drive. Yeah. So w- when you hear this, think of the the MacBook Pro late thirteen and, and newer, uh, the MacBook Airs mid thir- uh, thirteen or so, and of course the mid thir- or the twenty thirteen and current because eh, you know uh, still hasn't come out with the new one Mac Pro. That's what this is for. Yeah, and these are the best SSDs you can buy now. This type of SSD. They're always the reason that Apple moved to these and all the laptops because they're much faster than the traditional SATA SSD. Well, o- OWC's is quite honestly sounds good, and I'm gonna mm. I'm gonna read their description. And the Aura family of drives has always been the best way to upgrade your PCIe equipped Mac with guaranteed compatibility and storage space to spare. Now we've raised the bar with up to 2.3 times better performance, up to 16 times the capacity, and with an improved power efficiency for a longer battery life, the new Aura Pro X line of SSDs are better in every way. So uh, pricing, $279 for the 240 gig, 419 for the 480 gig, and six forty nine for the one terabyte, which way blows away Apple's prices for the same compatibility or capacity. Yeah. Capacity, it's not even close. Yep. And so, if you've got one of those Macs, and by the way, completely works one hundred percent with High Sierra. Um, it, it's going to be faster than the one that came with your Mac by far. Um, it's dude, it's thirteen fifty two megabytes per second read speeds. Yeah, I remember um, when I was at MacStock last year, not this year, um, the OWC guy recommended that if I want to put SSD in my Mac Pro, my, tw- my 2010 Mac Pro, that I should get a PCIe card for the card slots and then put one of these in. Yeah, it's so um, much faster. I, I need to do that because I, I cheaped out and didn't do that. I just put um, a SATA SSD in and, you know, it's okay, but it's not great. Um, and, uh, yeah, I really should think about doing this and want to get more life out of that old machine. So we want to thank, uh, MacSales.com. We'll, we'll put a link directly into this product. It, it really is cool. And, uh, we do appreciate their sponsoring of the tech fan podcast. Let's get into our feedback here and then we can get into our show notes, David. Sure. Um, we got one from Peter. He's from Germany. Yep. And, uh, do you want to read or do you want me to? Sure. I'll read it. He said, hi, Tim and Owen, as usual, great show. And, of course, this is because Owen was on the last two episodes. Yeah. And I apologize for the one two weeks ago. That was, we we had a buzz in the system. It was totally my fault. I know what it was now. I I had left my my Apple Watch charging on the dock that runs right next to the cord for the input. So it was on Owen's end, but it wasn't coming from... It wasn't Owen doing it. It was on my end 100%. I always take the Apple Watch off the charger, and I didn't do it. Nope. I tried okay. to fix it as best I could, and it still was kind of a failure. But Yeah, that, that wouldn't happen if you used a uh, USB mic and a piece of software, but I digress. <laughs> I'm just referencing your uh, advice to Owen last week, yep. which I, uh, I disagree with, but never mind. We'll talk about that some other time. As usual, great show, Owen. I absolutely encourage you to change the battery on this iPhone by yourself. It's so easy. Yesterday, I replaced the battery on my son's iPhone 5. was literally done in 10 minutes. I used a spare battery from iFixit 
OWC shifting to Germany was too much and not available Amazon. Peter, I, I share your pain. OWC shipping to Europe, uh, it's great they do it, but it's it's not always the cheapest. Yeah, uh, I fix it, and also OWC have great instructions. I didn't even have to remove the screen as mentioned in the instructions. There is plenty of space in the iPhones up to the 5S. So yeah, Owen, you should definitely do that. Um, he also says, looking forward to some episodes with all three of you. We'll do that. Any- we we are going to do that, aren't we? Yep. Yeah. Has anyone upgraded to High Sierra yet? I'm still waiting, although I might try to test it with the spare SSD this weekend and boot up for an external drive to High Sierra, to High Sierra, mainly to test if some important applications work. Thanks for the podcast. Peace from Germany, Peter. So I know that you have upgraded to High Sierra. Yeah, and I had some problems with my encrypted drives on pretty much every Mac I did that on, um, which was irritating. But having got it on and working on all my machines, um, I've not had any issues, really, I, I don't think. Are, are you glad you upgraded, or is it like yeah, it's, it's well, kind of the, there's, there's not a huge amount in here that um, makes a difference that to you. Kind of drove the upgrade. So yeah. if you are on the fence, then don't feel you have to do it right now. Well, it's, I could say I sad. Have, yeah, oh. I, I just think it's sad that we we've got to this position we used to be in with Windows, where you kind of always said, "Oh, wait a couple of point releases before you upgrade," yeah. which is what and we're there. going around. We're now. we're there with the Mac at this point. Uh, I have not upgraded, and to be honest, I, I really, I, I, I don't see a need to. Every single thing I'm doing right now on my Mac, everything, would not benefit from High Sierra. Just it just there's it offers zero benefits to me, uh, and yeah. it will break quite a few of the applications that I use quite often, namely Adobe Photoshop CS5 and Adobe Photoshop CS or Adobe Illustrator CS5. I use yeah. both of those quite often. It will totally break both. The only thing I do miss is the new Photos app. Yeah. After listening to you, I was like, oh, I kind of want that. Um, but I, I'm not willing to break. I'm not going to say mission critical because, quite honestly, Illustrator is very rarely used by me. But when I do need to use it, it's the only thing that will work. Photoshop, on the other hand, I use it all the time because I'm comfortable and happy with it. But I have Pixelmator, and Pixelmator does 95% of everything Photoshop does, especially with what I do. It's more than adequate, more yeah. than adequate. It's a great piece of software. Yeah. So there's I, no I, there's no compelling reason for me not to other than CS5. Well, they, they you know what Apple mm-hmm. did say, that a lot of the stuff in, in High Sierra is under the hood. Um, and you, you don't, until you see it, you don't kind of don't notice it. For instance, right. you just mentioned the Photos app, so I'm on my... Um, macbook my 12 inch macbook which is uh, a fast machine big ssd and all of that so while we're talking i just fired up uh, photos um and one of the things it's done that uh, i don't ever remember it doing before and i so i think this must be high sierra is all the photos that i took while i was away last week have in the background synced to photos on my on my um from my icloud account here um they've just appeared um, and the, the machine's been off all week. Literally, I, I fired it up when I first sat down to talk to you today. Yeah. Um, so it's done that in the background without me noticing, and it's those sort of things that kind of you appreciate when you see them. But the problem is they're not particularly they're not particularly noticeable, and they're certainly not the sort of things that make you go, "Oh, I've got to upgrade so I can get that feature." Right. Um, 
I think APFS on an SSD does have some advantages in terms it does. of some of the things it lets you do, but again, they're not terribly visible. So um, it's a tough sell. It really is. Um, so we do get another know. piece of feedback, and, and I, I will segue right into this one because it's from uh, John Nemo. Of course, he's yeah. a reviews editor at MyMac.com. And he wrote, I was just listening in the car to David's description of the problem he had with his Mac Pro. It's MacBook Pro. No, it wasn't. It, it wasn't was Mac, Mac Pro. Pro. Okay, okay. Mac, Mac Pro uh, in the new operating system. Of course, this is High Sierra. The person in the car with me exclaimed to me something like this. David is typically a smart guy, but he is out of the frickin' mind. To take a prehistoric computer like this in the early stages of a new operating system when none of the bugs and the other dots have been fixed, he is just asking for trouble, trouble, trouble. Tim gets it right this time. No upgrade is better for you too, David. Right. Um, that's a fair point. Yep. Uh, I understand where they're coming from that, but my response to that would be, my Mac Pro is a 2010 Mac Pro. It is on the supported list for High Sierra. So it, it pre, prehistoric, I think, is a bit harsh. It's actually still supported. Um, and I'm sorry, if it's supported in High Sierra, I expect it to work. I don't expect to get, um, you know, it, <laughs> I don't expect to get a variable performance just because it's old, an old computer if it's supported by Apple. Yeah, Everything if they supported support by Apple, the major bugs should be work. Yeah, exactly. In the same way you want it. And, and it's yeah. clear that they didn't test this on in their words, prehistoric computers that they're they're guaranteeing by simply making it compatible, they're guaranteeing that it's going to be working. And it's just, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I do have older machines that I've put High Sierra on where I've had to do some modifications to get it to work. And with those, I expect to have problems and I wouldn't criticize Apple publicly or even privately if it didn't work properly. But with my Mac Pro, that's a fully supported machine. Yeah. Um, the problem is not the machine I'm running it on. It's the fact that they it's problems with FileVault encrypted drives and APFS. That's where the issues have come from because yep. all my machines are encrypted because I use most of my computers for business, and that's part of what we have to do. Another uh, interesting tidbit I've had. it. I was going to talk to Owen about this, but we uh, got into other subjects. AIM, of course, was is uh, America Online's instant chat software. It is shutting down after, get this, David, after 20 years. 20 years. Ow. I was a very early adopter on AIM. I downloaded the very first version on my Mac. And, of course, I could just use my then um, AOL account to sign on. I was I was DS9, DS9 2. So I was kind of into Star Trek when I originally set yeah. my thing up. Uh, and it worked flawlessly. And, of course iChat on the Mac also supported the AIM protocol. So you could sign into iChat using your AIM username and mm -hmm. password. And quite honestly, I use that, especially in the early days of the podcasts that we were doing back in the day, um, to chat with people on, on audio. And it sounded okay for the time. Yeah. So it was, it was a, a nifty piece of software. I can't say I'm sorry to see it go because it's kind of a, in some respects, you're like, wow, AIM was still running. Yeah. But, but I don't know. It, it was what Skype became, you know, well, it, it, Skype took uh, that thunder away from them. I, I think it was one of the early, earliest social networks because that's kind of how people used it. Um, you know, your, your network of people you communicated with 
was your network. Those are the people you wanted to speak to. I remember businesses uh, using it before Jabber was a uh, Jabber was a thing. You know, they would you'd have to have AIM running on your computer so you could have group chats at yeah. work. Uh, and really, uh, the fact that um, you know um, social networks such as Facebook and everything have 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 their own messaging products now and then obviously in on apple we have uh uh we have messenger uh messages and google has their own messenger thing i mean they've, they've all kind of taken what aim did and run with it um and you know the reason that the reason it's going behind is because I, I, it's not because of the it's a message part of the product it's the aol part <laughs> yeah it, it, nobody uses well i don't say nobody there's there's still people that use aol especially in aol when you see someone's business card and it has at aol.com on it I guarantee you this person has a lot of gray hair. I mean, <laughs> it just goes without saying. I've got a lot of gray hair, but yeah. I, I, I'm a tech guy, but still. Uh, anyways, let's get to the notes. You you posted a kind of a funny one. You said, uh, funny, you and Owen were just talking about a stunt like this. That's right. So uh, on the show you did, uh, not last week, the week before, you got into a segue about the, the guy who... Uh, <laughs> Sent himself up into the sky in his lawn chair. Yeah, with, with balloons. balloons. Yeah, <laughs> and he, you know, he had the uh, the pop gun. He was going to shoot the balloons down. It all went a little bit wrong. Well, funnily enough, I I'm on the cruise ship and I and I hear you talking about that, and I'm kind of laughing my head off. Um, and then I'm looking through my news feeds. Uh, oh, by the way, quite good internet on the. It was costly, but quite good internet on the cruise ship. Was it? Um, yeah, it was actually quite fast now. This is the second time I've I've had this, uh, where I've had fast internet. Uh, a little bit of latency, obviously, but because it's going through a satellite. But bandwidth certainly um, good enough for two and a half thousand people on a cruise ship. So that was a good. So anyway, in my news feeds, I see a BBC News article saying man in one hundred balloon camping chair flight, and I'm thinking. Wow, are they referencing the original story? But no, somebody actually did this again. Um, uh, this time it was it was a publicity kind of charity raising stunt. Um, a British adventurer flew fifteen and a half miles across South Africa, suspended from a hundred helium balloons, balloons while strapped to a camping chair. Now they didn't actually rec- reference the the guy who did this originally. They were talking about the movie Up that uh, Owen mentioned as right, well. Right, well, that's because that's a much more current reference. Yeah, exactly. Most but apparently, apparently this was, a, this was a, a challenge that they were trying to do in, in the, the southern part of Africa. They tried it in Botswana. They couldn't get the weather right um, and were having problems with balloons. But anyway, he managed to pull it off. So just north of Johannesburg, he went off into the, uh, into the desert, and um, there's pictures here of him hanging from his lawn chair. And uh, he basically was cutting the balloons away when he wanted to descend rather than using the, um, the pop gun. But, uh, yeah, effectively the same thing, only in a much more structured way. I just thought it amusing. There you are, because you, you, t- you guys talked about it for about 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and, then, uh, and then straight away... It's, it's mentioned again in the news. How peculiar is that? That is very peculiar, but also <laughs> not surprising because stupid does as stupid does. Yeah. Uh, Google came out with a new phone, the Pixel 2. Mm. You referenced it at the very beginning when we were talking about the iPhone 10. Um, it's a perfect phone out there from what I understand. There's no issues at all with Google's yeah. new phone. 
You know what? This is reminiscent of the problem Samsung had last year, though this is less dangerous because obviously things aren't exploding. Right. But there are, the Pixel 2 comes in two models. There's a regular model and then the XL model, like the 8 and the 8 Plus in yep. Apple's land. Um, the differences are that they both, like the iPhone 10, they both have OLED screens, but apparently the one on the Pixel 2 XL is awful because it's made by LG. And uh, LG's OLED screens have had a bad reputation over the years. And this one is not one of their finest examples by a long stretch. I first noticed this was an article on The Verge that said that um, this phone has been very well reviewed. Um, A lot of people say it's really good. They especially say the camera is very, very good on it. Um, uh, And the title of this article in The Verge was, The Pixel 2 XL would be the best phone in the world if its screen wasn't so weird. And then they have an article and some comparisons with uh, other phones and even some direct screenshots of the screen that shows a weird green cast um some kind of lack of uh lack of saturation which yeah like it's almost like uh, the there's one picture where it shows it's in an app it looks like yeah um it shows these white logo uh graphics at the top they're Emojis yeah, the state, or something. The graphics. Okay. And for, uh, there's a green the color. They all should be white. But from <laughs> the right to the left, there's this green color kind of moving in. Yeah. It's really strange. It, it is. And apparently, this is something that's well known with these LG screens. Later on, you they, they have some kind of wipe comparisons between pictures displayed on an 8 plus and the pixel 2 and the the pixel 2 one just looks awful it looks I mean, bad. It really it looks muddy it looks green um and you know google has apparently said look the the color the color representation on the xl is meant to be more accurate rather than being overly artificially saturated but if it looks to the naked eye weird um, and this phone does look to the naked eye to be weird. Um, that's not that's not good, especially as we're, we're talking about a premium product here. Yeah, this is a flagship product for them. Yeah. So you know, but you know what? It could be argued, not successfully, I would say, but it could be argued that these sorts of things are subjective and perhaps you know, in the eye of the beholder and that sort of thing, which is fine. However, that's not the only problem in this screen because apparently. Within a week, people have been seeing burn-in on it. Yep. Um, now, I th- I've got to be honest. I thought burn-in was something that went away with the CRTs a long time ago. Yeah, but, and here we um, are. Yeah, you, yeah, everyone knows what burn-in looks like. Uh, if you've ever been to uh, an airport or a um, bus or train station where they have an old CRT monitor that's been shown the schedules. Yep. Yeah, when it changes, when the screen changes, you'll see uh, a ghost of the of um, lines and the time and things like that, or even a logo or something like that. Well, we did a whole if- show talking about screen burn, and I even used a graphic from an old, I think it was a Miss Pac-Man machine, that yeah. the screen is completely not connected to anything, and you could still see the Pac-Man maze on it. And that was because CRTs had a phosphor on the front of the uh, right. display that was used to generate what you saw. And over time, if the phosphor would wear out in the areas where it had been shown, showing the most. So OLED apparently has this same problem in that it can show burn-in. Um, and there's various software tricks that OLED screen makers build into their 
hardware to try and stop it from happening or at least prevent it from happening too quickly. But these LG screens in the 2XL apparently show it very, very quickly. Two weeks. Like within a week, <laughs> a week or two. Yep. Which, again, is not great. Um, and and I, I'm, I'm, the problem is I read what Google are doing about this. They're talking about, um, oh, we think we think there's some software fixes we can apply to this. Um, you know, it's no worse than anything else. Um, it affects every panel over time, and and this this is this is as good as anything else on the market. Well, that's that's BS. Or as it you sounds, would say, that's rubbish. It sounds like BS, doesn't it? Oh, that yeah. after a week or two, you're already getting screen burn in. I'd be asking for my money back. There's well, no way that's acceptable yeah. on any level. Yeah. Now, what's interesting here, and I, I'm not going to necessarily say that this is not a technological problem because um, the iPhone 10 has no LED screen and it's not out yet. It will be interesting to see if any of these problems appear there. The, the the common thread on, on places like The Verge is that the LG screens apparently no good, the Samsung panels are much better, um, and so consequently it's the it's the LG ones which is solely in the 2XL which is causing this problem. Yep. Um, we believe that it's only a Samsung panel in the iPhone X. Um, it could well be that demand for capacity of Samsung panels from the iPhone 10 production run force Google to go to LG for the screens in the you mean 2XL. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. Well, let's find out. <laughs> Time will it, tell. The, the problem is, you know, this is this is your high-end phone. I yeah. know that the Pixel 2 is not a volume seller like a Samsung phone, but you know, it makes a lot. It's designed to make a lot of noise in the industry. It it's is designed designed it's, to be a flagship. It's making and, a lot of noise. Yeah. This is not the sort of noise you want. Well, so um, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's slightly concerning. Um, I don't want to necessarily say that um, that you know Google has handled this particularly badly. I think Google generally is not very good at resolving these sorts of issues. Uh, so um, I would agree. just something to be aware of. And if you've been thinking about one of those phones, then then certainly be aware of it. And again, maybe hold off before you buy one, which apparently won't be hard because you can't get it for love and money. It's pretty hard to get right now, huh? <laughs> I believe so. Hmm. Yeah. So the uh, next story, this one, I, you know, here's the funny thing. I actually saw this on a couple mm-hmm. different websites and I thought, I, I, I got to remember to bring that up, and I didn't put anything in the notes. And sure enough, you did, and it's from the uh, BBC. And I like that you just put in here: Amazon goes crazy again. <laughs> you know what? Sometimes you hear these things, and you think, "I wish I was at that meeting." You know, the the meeting where they decided to do this, where and you just kind of want to be looking around and going, "Say, is anybody?" It, you you imagine it's like a White House cabinet meeting when, <laughs> you know, crazy stuff is being talked. And nobody has the cojones to turn around and say, you know what, this is a really bad idea. Let's not do this. This will not play well with the public. Uh, Um, So Amazon proposing to launch a new service, uh, an innovative new service, where they will sell you a camera uh, and an electronic lock. And what will happen um, with the combination of this service and their cloud service is that um, when you order stuff from Amazon, the courier will not be able to just leave it at your door, but will be able to unlock your door, come inside, and leave it in your house. I don't see the problem there, David. 
<laughs> what could possibly go wrong by having gig economy minimum wage workers be given electronic access to your house? <laughs> How could that possibly fail? Now, the reason for the camera is that the camera is designed to keep an eye on what the courier does once he gets in your house. But you know what? Once he's in your house and he decides to, I don't know, go rogue, it's a bit late. Uh, and, um, yeah. I, I just, I, well, I'm sure it won't be hackable either. Because so far these these Bluetooth and NFC door locks have been completely safe. No one's uh, been uh, able to hack yeah, them very nobody's, easily. Nobody's ever ever attacked the cloud end of these things and be able to make them do things they're not designed to do either. So, you know, connect, taking this stuff and, and basically effectively hooking your house up to the Internet to allow people to access it, that's, that's also completely rock solid, never been an issue. Nope, never. <laughs> so, yeah, there are a lot of... Um, let's, let's put this kindly. There are a lot of potential challenges with this particular service that mean no i wouldn't touch you with a barge pole and i love amazon but i don't want to let them into my house no they're not coming in in fact you know my wife still complains about the uh the echo like you know i switched the echo dot right and, and whenever i'm not obviously I'm, I'm away from home a lot in my moment with work and what have you and she's always saying she said i don't like the fact that it sat there listening to me all the time because sometimes it picks up something she says or something from the TV and it goes, I didn't understand what you're saying. Just, I don't like the fact it's listening to me all the time. Yeah. It's, um, it's a little this creepy. Is, this is like that writ large. I don't like the fact that Amazon's in my house all the time. Yeah. Might be an issue. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let, let us know if you think this is a good idea or you can see the, uh, this is, it, it's one of these things where it, it, it sounds like a service to solve a problem that nobody, there's really no has. one listening to this podcast who thinks it's a great idea. There's not one person, nobody. Well, look, maybe I can see. Maybe Brendan. <laughs> I'm sure Brendan's right on board. This. I'm sure he absolutely. Loves. Hi, Brendan. Right in. Let us know what you think. I know he just the- laughed when he heard that. He literally yeah. laughed out loud when he heard that. Um, I mean, I can. If you live out in a rural area where there's no other houses or properties within five miles and you don't want your packages left on the doorstep, I can see where perhaps you might think. But again, you're you're a long way from nowhere. And then you're going to let somebody in your house when you're not there. It doesn't doesn't sound right, does it? Um, Not really, no. I, I, I might have issues with that. I just can't help feeling there are better ways of solving this problem. Technically, you know, look, if if Amazon would sell me a box that had an electronic lock on it that I could leave outside my door so that only myself and my courier could open it, that would be fine. Bolt it to the floor, yeah, put put the internet on it if you want, but uh, that, that I could live with that. See, that to me is a better solution to this problem. I would agree. Than, and let somebody in your house. So that's the drawing board, Amazon, I'm afraid, with this one. I don't yeah. see it being popular. No. Uh, what could be popular, it seems to be taking off, is drones working in warehouses. Wow. I was stunned when I saw this. Because as you know, I have a drone. And, and I think you implicitly queried why I own a drone the last time we talked about this. Because yeah. you kind of said, well, what are you going to do with it? And 
And now I know you, you're going to open a warehouse. <laughs> do you have a need for it? And and certainly drones can be, unless you're in the media industries, can be perceived as a bit of a technical toy. And I would disagree with that. But it turns out, yeah, in warehouses, these are a big thing now. Because one of the difficulties you have in warehouses is keeping track of what you have in the warehouse. Um, and there's some figures in this article from the BBC um, talking about you know, if you have a and, and you think about it, if you have a, a warehouse with a hundred million dollars worth of stock in it, and you don't know, you've got five percent uncertainty of what exactly is in your warehouse. Things that have fallen out of boxes, things that have been kind of put to one side and not scanned in, things that were perhaps uh, forgotten about or uh, missed off a, a re-inventory or something like that. If you have five percent of your inventory in your warehouse, you're not really sure what it is or where it is. That's five million dollars on a hundred million dollar yep. warehouse, and that's a lot of money. So apparently, what one of the ways you can deal with this now, rather than having um, we've all seen big stores like Walmart and that sort of thing say that they're going to be um, closed or they're going to be um, offering a, a lower service while they do a stock inventory where they have all their people running around checking what they have on the shelves. Um, this is the same with warehouses, but apparently if you do it by drone rather than do it with people, you can do it much, much more quickly. And these drones can apparently re-inventory an entire warehouse just by flying around the shelves and scanning what's on them uh, in a hundred times the speed of a couple of employees for much less money. Uh, and this is really a thing. And I thought it was really kind of cool. You know, it's kind of cool. Walmart, whose smallest warehouse is seven times the size of a, a U.S. football field. Yep. Think about how big that is. Yeah. I mean, and these things are just buzzing around, scanning stuff all the time, 24-7. Yeah. That's it, that's kind of cool. It, it, it is. And what they do, also as well, you immediately start thinking, well, how does a drone have the battery life to do that? They put fuel cells in these as well. So, um, Well, it's not the same drone either. I mean... You know, you you have a hundred drones. At any one time, thirty or forty of them are flying around. The other ones are charging up. When yep. those ones are down, there's no downtime because the other ones have already launched and they're doing the work now. But apparently, these things fly for two hours because they run on hydrogen fuel cells rather than batteries. So you it's get more more efficiency out of them. You don't need to set them up. You literally just unpack them and off they go. Uh, they design their own routes once they know what your warehouse is laid out, and they just fly around scanning stuff on the shelves, scanning the barcodes. It's crazy. So they know what pallets you have, yep. um, and they know where those pallets are. Yeah, it uses a mesh and, network. Yeah, exactly. It, it's it's an incredible adaptation of technology, I think. I agree. Uh, and and uh, this is almost like the perfect, the perfect fit. You know, you have a big area, a big vertical area, and you need to have something going around, finding out what's on those shelves. And this does it, and it does it in an extremely efficient manner. Let's wrap up with our wiki trolling. Uh, and you found a, a link that will give random... Yeah, basically, I, I delved into um, 
the Wikipedia interface, and it, it turns out you can actually specify particular categories when you ask it to generate a random, random page. So uh, this, if we click on it, then it will always generate something flagged in the technology category. Now, it's a little bit flaky. Sometimes you get index pages or stuff like that, so you have to click it a few times. But it's amazing what it turns up, and it turned up this, which <laughs> I looked at this. And again, much like the, that last drone segment, I thought, no, this is science fiction. This is not real. Yeah. So this is uh, an article about transparent wood. Yeah, my, that link doesn't work for me, by the way. You what? That that link, link is just it. It doesn't show me any articles. Uh, maybe it's because mine is the. My, I'm in the UK. Um, well, I don't know. It's not working right. for me at all. Right. Okay. So well, transparent wood. Transparent wood. Yeah. Because. What's the, what's the last thing you thought about your table? It's like, this table is great. I just wish I could see through it. No, um, the the, avan- the advantage of this is to try and generate um, biodegradable, transparent stuff. That's the idea behind yeah. this. And this uh, is, you know... Screens, for putting... instance. Yeah, exactly. Something that kind I- of... You, iPhone you know... 12, wood screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anytime you want to get any scratches out of it, you just need to get a lathe. <laughs> <laughs> Sand it down. You're good to go. Um, there are, once they get, once they kind of get the kinks out of this, I'm sure there are real-world uses. I don't think iPhone screens will be one of them, but um, I just found this fascinating that you could even do this. They found a way to effectively leach out the stuff in wood <laughs> that means you can't see through it. And you can replace it with a polymer. That means it's still wood, but you can see through it. It's it crazy. There's a there's a picture here in the notes, and you just look at you just look at it, and you go, no, right? That's not wood. That's a piece of plastic, but it is a piece of wood. And you can see through it. They have text on the table or whatever, a piece of paper, and it says wood, and they've got this piece of wood over it, and you can see right through it. It says wood underneath. Now to to take some of the silliness out for it out of this for a minute there is a real problem in our society now with plastics yeah we use billions of tons of plastic a year most of it's not recycled and an awful lot of it ends up as tiny little bits of plastic in the ocean which means the fish are eating it which means we're eating the fish so we're eating it the birds are eating it uh, it's it's a real problem it's it's you know, it's not as big a problem as the carbon dioxide we're dumping in the atmosphere, but it's still a hell of a lot of pollution, uh, and it's probably ultimately not sustainable. We are going to have to go to new materials rather than just using oil-based plastics all the time, which, once you make them, they never go away. They don't degrade. Yeah, this is cool. Um, and it's like you said, uh, they developed a method to remove the color and some chemicals from a small from small <laughs> blocks of wood, followed by adding polymers such as epoxy, at the cellular level, thereby rendering them transparent. I think we lost David. I think he he fell off on uh, on wire. We'll try calling him back in. But if he's not there, it's okay, because we're going to wrap up the show here in a second anyways. Yep, there he is. Here I am. So, yeah, it, this is cool. I can see a lot of applications for this. Imagine, imagine building a boat using this yep. kind of wood. There's a lot of things you could do with this. And I wasn't far off when I'm talking about the next iPhone screen. Now, obviously, this would be 15 years in the future, but why not have your electronics 
with a wood screen that's transparent rather than plastic and glass. Now, glass is actually somewhat biodegradable, but plastics are not. Yeah. And so if we could get back to something like this, that's a sustainable resource. And if you're adding polymers to it, you're, you're changing the density of the wood too. It's interesting. I, I, I think this is something that we're taking an existing natural resource and using it in different ways, modifying it to make it applicable to what we need in modern society. I think that's a cool thing. I really it do. is. And, and also as well, you've got to think about, if you think about climate change, if you go away from using oil-based plastics that require energy and generate and put CO2 in the atmosphere for, for you to make them, and instead you go to a, uh, a wood substitute that actually uses um, carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere because you've got to grow the wood in order to use it, um, to me that sounds like it might be much more sustainable than yeah, using plastics. That's, that's a win-win. Very interesting. Good find. Thank you. So let's wrap up this episode of TechFan. Of course, we do encourage you guys to send us feedback. It's the show at TechFanPodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter, uh, TechFanPodcast, and we are on the Facebook. Uh, David, anything uh, you want to talk about right before we wrap up here? Any last minute? Well, yeah. What's um, interesting enough, I, I was, I just on this, this um, ocean cruise... Um, on the Queen Mary 2, which is an ocean liner rather than a cruise ship. So we were out in the sea doing nothing for six days. They've got to keep you entertained. On board the ship, the IT department actually had some sort of formal link up with Apple, and they were doing Apple lectures the whole way over. Wow, that's which cool. Which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I attended a couple of them. It was fairly high-level stuff. You know, this is what Apple makes. These are the products they have. These are the latest laptops, the latest iPads, what have you. And then a few ones about, you know, how to use eBay, how to use Skype, that sort of thing. But I and I just thought it was interesting. And you know what? They were pretty well attended. Um, I don't think I, – I went to three of them. I don't think there was – any of them had less than 40 people in the room, which I thought for, um, you know, kind of just a, a – that sort of technical lecture, I thought, was 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 quite a good attendance, really. Uh, it it just seemed to be well received. Yeah, that's cool. Didn't know they were doing stuff like that on liners. Mm-hmm. Cool. Nothing. I just got to get to watching some Stranger Things and uh, playing some Mario Odyssey. But later today, I've got to go pick up my father, and he's getting um, some ceremony. He's getting a. I don't know, a, a medal or something for his time in Vietnam, the Vietnam War. Oh, so, great. Yeah, he called while we were recording, so I need to call him back. So we're going to wrap this show up. We will be back uh, next week, of course. Um, you're free next week, right? I am, yeah. yeah we'll get on on, if not next week, the week after, uh, real soon here. And uh, talk about, you know, how Owen's done with replacing his battery in the iPhone and, you know, whatever else comes up, right? Cool. See you then. Bye. Bye.